episode number four of the Truth Quest podcast. Today we're going to examine the truth about the minimum wage. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you to share the show. You can do that generally by simply telling folks you know, hey, check out this new podcast, or better yet, strategically or topically. So if you're having a conversation about minimum wage with somebody, then share this episode with them and hopefully it'll shed some light on the topic for them. And if you're so inclined, and if you value the content I'm providing, please consider donating a few dollars via the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. See the episode's show notes for the link. Every dollar raised will be used to market the show and expand the listenership. There are a few topics that demonstrate the dirty half dozen better than the minimum wage. So for those of you who are just tuning in, the dirty half dozen are six things that I've noticed that skeptics use in order to push their agenda. Let's just go through each of them. So the first one is malice or name calling. Of course, with minimum wage, you hate poor people. The second dirty half dozen is ignorance. And as you will see as we get through this episode, it doesn't take more than an economics 101 class to understand the impact of minimum wage. The third one of the dirty half dozen is emotional arguments and bias. And when it comes to minimum wage, you'll see claims of everyone deserves a living wage and you can't raise a family on minimum wage or raising the minimum wage will lift millions out of poverty. The fifth member of the dirty half dozen is the stiff arm. And so eventually what this comes down to with the minimum wage argument is it's basically willful negligence by ignoring facts, history, and economic laws. The fifth member of the dirty half dozen is propaganda, lies, and deception. So you'll basically get you'll basically hear things like without the minimum wage, evil employers will exploit workers. And finally, the sixth member of the dirty half dozen is drawing arbitrary lines. So clearly with minimum wage, it's fifteen bucks an hour, or is it twelve fifty, or is it twenty, whatever, whatever the arbitrary line in the sand they draw. So we are going to tackle this topic with some facts, figures, some economic laws, and we're going to throw some logic in today as well. So I want to start with a quote by Thomas Sowell from his epic book, Basic Economics, that really lays the foundation for this discussion. On page 237, he says, By the simplest and most basic economics, a price artificially raised tends to cause more to be supplied and less to be demanded than when prices are left to be determined by supply and demand in the free market. The result is a surplus, whether the price that is set artificially high is that of farm produce or labor. So here's the translation. A price, a wage, artificially raised, minimum wage rate, tends to cause more to be supplied. More workers are looking for that higher wage and less to be demanded. Fewer employers looking to hire workers at that arbitrary set rate. So with that backdrop, let's dive into the meat of this discussion. I have five points to cover on this episode. So point number one, Let's start with a fundamental question that you will hear over and over again from me. I posed this general question in in episode number three. Where in the Constitution does it enumerate the power to the federal government to dictate labor laws? Answer, it doesn't. Therefore, the federal minimum wage is unconstitutional. End of story. Or at least it should be the end of the story. Politicians in Washington, many of whom have never employed anyone, those who only make speeches about wage rates, Those who criticize the risk-takers in society have no right and or knowledge to set wage rates. Point number two, let's follow the outcome of this policy to its logical end. But before we do that, consider this quote from Microsoft founder Bill Gates, not known as a conservative guy to say the least. He said, so you have to be a bit careful. If you raise the minimum wage, you're encouraging labor substitution. 
and you're going to go buy machines and automate things or cause jobs to appear outside of that jurisdiction. And so within certain limits, you know, it does cause job destruction. If you really start pushing it, then you're just making a huge trade-off. So let's consider the consequences of a minimum wage rate hike on your average fast food restaurant. And you can apply this lesson to any business impacted by such wage increases. So the worker gets a raise. Hooray, everyone's happy, right? Not exactly, because following the logic, a wage is a price, the price of labor. The law of supply and demand do not suspend themselves when it comes to labor prices. So as the Thomas Sowell quote explains, the higher the price, the more the supply, and the lower the demand. So you will have more people willing to work at this higher rate and fewer employers looking to hire. Let's follow the logic some more. When you raise the minimum wage, you the cost to run a business just increase, which forces the business owner to examine whether he or she can get a return on their investment in labor. So they're going to ask the question, can I get $15 an hour worth of productivity out of this, the average teenager or some other relatively unskilled worker who typically fill these minimum wage positions? Let's continue to follow the logic. In order to cover the rising labor costs, the business owner essentially has three choices. Accept lower profit margins, to raise prices, or maybe just throw in the towel altogether. So finally, what's a business owner to do? Well, she can raise the price to cover the increased cost. She can raise the price of a sandwich for $3.50 to 4 bucks, which will lower demand for the sandwich. With fewer sandwiches being sold at the higher price, the business owners can only hope to maintain revenue at previous levels. That rarely happens as consumers either search for substitutes for the now more expensive product, or they forego purchasing the product altogether, or they just pay the inflated amount, which leaves them with less money in their pocket. Ah, you say, I'm willing to pay 50 cents or a dollar more for a burger. If it means the people behind the counter make a little extra money. All right. Those are the folks who are employing dirty half dozen strategy number three. Zoom out and examine the big picture for a moment. Multiply the 50 cents to a dollar extra being paid by one, two, ten million. However many burgers are sold. Where could those dollars have been spent? What other jobs could those dollars have been used to support? You got to think about stuff like that when evaluating public policy. What else could she do? She could reduce the hours worked by those workers who were lucky enough to keep their jobs at the new artificially inflated wage rate. Remember what happened after Obamacare was passed? Millions of people had their formerly full-time, 40-hour-a-week jobs cut back to 29 hours a week in order to avoid the health insurance mandate. This is where the willful negligence on the part of lawmakers comes in. They fail to acknowledge the consequences of forcing business owners to pay an artificially inflated wage rate. Yet these politicians, most of them who have never run a business nor taken an economics class, sit in their legislative chairs and pass this, these kinds of BS bills. The other thing to consider is businesses will not hire an unskilled adult or teenager and pay them 8 10 bucks an hour to sweep floors or flip burgers when the revenue they generate or facilitate is only 5 or 6 bucks. Your productivity is what justifies how much money you make. So let's continue to follow the logic. If a business owner does not hire again at this inflated wage environment, they can no longer consider teenagers or other low-skilled workers for these entry-level roles. At the higher wage rate, more experienced workers will, will be willing to fill these previously low-wage positions, thus pushing out the low-skilled applicant. The result is higher unemployment for the low-skilled younger workers. Did you know 
that a 2014 Congressional Budget Office report estimated that raising the minimum wage to $10.10 would result in at least 500,000 lost jobs. I'll put that study in the show notes page. Question for skeptics. Exactly what good is being done for the low-skilled workers by pricing them out of the labor market? Famous economist Henry Hazlitt said, You cannot make a man worth a given amount by making it illegal for anyone to pay him less. Raising the minimum wage is not a magic wand. Another question for skeptics. What happens to the low or no-skill worker who needs a job at any price in order to build a resume and learn valuable skills? Following the logic continues. The worst-case scenario of a raised minimum wage is the business shuts down. Now no one has a job. All you have to do is do an internet search on minimum wage Seattle or minimum wage San Francisco, and you can read about the devastation that was wrought by the most recent round of minimum wage hikes. A Harvard Business Review study from earlier this year, I think it was in March of 2018, demonstrates that with every $1 increase in the minimum wage, the chance of restaurant closure escalates. Now, not at the five-star restaurants, mind you, but at the lower rated. For this particular study, they use Yelp ratings. Well done, politicians. By the way, I'll put that study, that Harvard study, in the show notes as well. One more question for skeptics. What about the unseen costs to the economy? How many people would have been employed in the future by newly created businesses that never opened because the arbitrary and artificially inflated labor costs helped to dissuade them from ever opening up shop? Point number three. I want to tell you a little bit about my experience with minimum wage. When I was 16, minimum wage was around $3.25 or $3.35 an hour. I earned that while working as a stock boy in a store in the local mall. After gaining some experience, I applied for a job at the drugstore. I believe they paid me like $3.65. The next job I had was waiting tables at a retirement community for 4 bucks an hour. And then I went to a restaurant and waited tables for the typical $2 plus tips. Now, both of my daughters worked at the local Chick-fil-A. For minimum wage. Each job they landed after their Chick-fil-A experience has paid more than minimum. So my experience and that of my daughters as minimum wage earners is fairly typical. What did we learn from those entry-level jobs that made us more valuable to other employers? Responsibility, how to interact with customers and co-workers, how to take direction, how to arrive on time and be reliable, discipline. Low-paying jobs have given people with no work experience the opportunity to step on the ladder of success where they can advance to successively higher paying jobs. Why would anyone purposely cut off the bottom rung of the ladder by hiking the minimum wage? Question for skeptics. Which is better? No job or a job that pays five bucks an hour, seven fifty an hour, ten bucks an hour? Another question for skeptics. Which is better? Having an opportunity to build up your resume, working for peanuts, or no job? These are all questions that truth seekers must ask. Point number four. If raising minimum wage to $15 an hour is so desirable, why not make it 20 or 50 How about $100 an hour? Just decree it from the mountaintops, and guess what? Everyone will be earning a living wage. Everyone will be able to raise a family on minimum wage. Everything will be wonderful. Does this type of argument remind you of something you heard previously? Think back to episode 2 in our conversation about abortion. One of the arguments that had to be addressed was the arbitrary nature of 
abortion proponent's definition of life or the age at which a baby could be aborted. Is it 20 weeks? Is it the first trimester? Why not any time up to the birth? Why can't we kill babies after they're born? This is the prototypical dirty dozen number six, drawing arbitrary lines. What is so magical about the first trimester? Or 15 bucks an hour? Unfortunately, the laws of economics are pretty rigid. Rising labor costs equal less demand for labor. Supply and demand. Econ 101. The last point I want to make is two additional questions for skeptics, but they're related. So, question for skeptic. Why does anyone make more than the minimum wage? Why can't all businesses get away with paying everyone minimum? The answer is productivity. Those who can produce more are worth more. They paid more. If someone is producing 20 bucks an hour worth of goods or services, but is only being paid minimum wage, that worker will most likely be hired by a com competitor at a higher wage rate. Question for skeptics. Why do CEOs of major corporations command such high salaries? You know, the greedy 1%. It's called supply and demand. The supply of people who can perform those jobs is finite. Therefore, they command high wages. On the other hand, the supply of people who are qualified to flip burgers or take orders at a fast food restaurant is infinite. Therefore, they command a lower wage. Arbitrarily raising the rate of pay on an infinite pool of low-skilled talent does not help them. Let's be honest here. The real minimum wage is zero. Of course, few will work for nothing, but as long as it's a voluntary agreement, why should it be legal to pay someone 50 cents an hour, a dollar, two, five? How about we end this episode with a few facts about minimum wage? Fact. The Fair Labor Standards Act, passed in 1938, implemented a 25 cent an hour minimum wage. Within weeks of the bill's passage, between 30 and 50,000 people lost their jobs. Particularly hard hit were low and no skilled workers, especially African Americans in the South. Did that experience teach us anything? No. Fact, in 2013, 64% of Americans who earned the minimum wage were 29 years or younger. Fact, in 2013, 63% of Americans who earned the minimum wage worked in restaurants, bars, or retail. Fact, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in 2013 there were 144 million people employed in the United States during, any, during the average month. Of those 144 million, 76 million, or 53%, were paid an hourly wage. Of those, 3 million earned at or below the minimum wage. Therefore, 2% of all U.S. employees earn at or below the minimum wage. So again, as, I've, as is often the case, we are looking to fix a problem that does not exist. Fact, two-thirds of workers starting out at minimum wage earn more than that a year later. Fact, most minimum wage jobs are entry-level positions filled by workers with limited education and experience. Fact, three-fifths of minimum wage workers have no more than a high school education. They work for minimum wage because at the time they lack the productivity to command a higher wage. Consider the following. University of California Irvine economist David Newmark examined over 100 academic studies on minimum wage and reports that 85% of the studies find a negative employment effect on low-skilled workers. A 1976 American Economic Association survey found that 90% of its members agreed that increasing the minimum wage raises unemployment among young and unskilled workers. And finally, 
1990 survey reported in the American Economic Review found that 80% of economists agree with the statement that increases in the minimum wage cause unemployment among the youth and most skilled. Just like with Obamacare, the minimum wage fix is solving a problem that does not exist. Young people earn minimum wage because they are not worth more than that. Fast food workers, waiters, and retail workers earn minimum wage because the jobs they are performing are not worth any more than that. Proponents of minimum wage increases theorize that the increased spending power of the low-income workers will stimulate the economy. The problem with these advocates is that macroeconomic modeling and history shows that minimum wage increases lead to job loss. To repeat myself from above, only 2% of the employment base earns minimum wage, yet we are going to raise the rate, which will ultimately decrease the number of people employed at the new wage rate. Does that make sense to you?